I don't know, maybe you had a rough morning getting going, but hopefully now things have changed for you a little bit. When we lift high our hands and we sing and we celebrate King Jesus, it changes some things in us, changes our perspective, and hopefully it's already started to do that for you. Well, hopefully 2023 is already off and running. And it's an opportunity for us to really pause and reflect on last year. You know, probably this morning, those of you in the room, those of you joining us online, we each have a different perspective on what just took place in 2022. Some of us could not wait for the calendar to change because this past year wasn't an awesome year. Some of us were like, let's flip the page. Let's only look forward. I'm done with that year. I can't wait to get to a next year. I need a fresh start. But some of us last night were just soaking up 2022 because it was an incredible year for you. Maybe a year of memories, celebrations. But I would imagine one thing we can all agree upon is as the, the page has turned and it's 2023, I think we can all agree that we want this year to be an incredible year, a year of celebration and all of these things we want for our family and friends, but ultimately 2023 could be a year of incredible spiritual growth, a year of spiritual victory, not just another year, but for maybe you 2023 could be the year, the year that you begin to really walk with the Lord the year that you begin to have spiritual victory in your life. And this morning, we're gonna look at one thing that many times holds us back from where God wants to take us. We're gonna look at a topic this morning in the book of James that, that holds us back sometimes from where God wants us to be. And that topic is that we give in to temptation. In Hebrews 12, the author of Hebrews talks about there is a sin, for many of us it's even the sin that clings so close, that entangles, that even some translations say it trips us up. And many times we can look back on former years and see if it wasn't for that one stupid decision, it would have been a great year. And many times that goes back to a point of temptation. That something's laid in front of you and you begin to dwell on it and it pulls you in and you make some life decisions that are not God honoring that leads you down a road of regret and disappointment. And maybe today, as we launch into 2023, maybe today you'll make some changes through the Lord's strength that will position you to have spiritual growth and spiritual victory like you have never experienced before. We're gonna see what God has to say about temptation and we're gonna have some real practical, simple takeaways that maybe you can take home with you, that you can put into practice and maybe the Lord will use those in your life to begin to walk a little closer to Him this next year. So if you got your copy of God's Word, go to James chapter one, we're gonna look at James 1 verses 13 through 16 this morning. In James 1, 13 through 16, James says this, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. 
Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Let's pray together, church. Father, we come before you this morning. A new year, a new day. Lord, we know that you make us a new creation and your mercies are new every morning. As the calendar has turned today, Lord, we pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning. God, would you speak to us and change us? Lord, we don't want 2023 to look like 2022 for us, spiritually speaking. God, we pray that you would give us victory this next year. Would you give us spiritual growth this next year? God, would you move us to look more like you at the end of this year than we do today? Lord Jesus, we pray today would be one of those moments throughout this year that helps us to grow and to walk with you a little more closely. In Christ's name we pray. And the church said, amen. Amen. As we dive into this text today, we're gonna see the source of temptation. We're gonna see the process of how temptation takes place. And then we're gonna see Just some practical takeaways, but look with me in verse 13, the beginning of our text this morning. Here James says, let no one say when he's tempted. Don't let anybody say this when you're tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil for he himself tempts no one. It's so important that we get our foundational theology of the person of God right. God is not the source of our temptation. Earlier in the book of James, he talks about trials. And sometimes God walks us through trials, as we've seen before, to strengthen us. But God does not walk us into temptation for God is not evil. Evil is not appealing to him and it's beyond his nature. And so here James says, don't let anybody say, I'm being tempted by God. And you might think, well, and nobody really says that. It's not recently that that you've heard that phrase. But maybe indirectly, we actually do allude to that quite often. Even at the original sin, all the way back to Genesis, Adam and Eve, Adam had sinned and eaten from the tree in the garden that he was told not to eat from. And in Genesis chapter three, verse 12, God said, hey, have you eaten from this tree? And here's Adam's response in Genesis three twelve. It says this, and the man, Adam said, the woman, whom you gave to be with me. She gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate it. Don't you love that? The beginning of life, original sin. And God shows up and says, hey, Adam, what happened? He's like, man, you gave her to me and it's her fault. He immediately points the finger away from himself. Now that's a little bit comical, but in reality, you see the original sin, the first moment of sin and Adam immediately deflects, rationalizes, points the finger at somebody else. And look at that. He doesn't just point it at the woman. He says, the woman whom you gave to be with me. I mean, check that. He says, no, not just the the woman gave it to me and she tricked me, but no, God, you're the one that gave her to me. It's really your fault. He's like, original sin isn't my fault. It's yours, God. Here the author of James says, let no one say I am being tempted by God. In the original sin, basically Adam was saying I was being tempted by God. 
And you look just the next verse, Eve in verse 13 of chapter three, then the Lord God said to the woman, what is it that you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And Eve points the finger to somebody else. It's the process of life of the way we deflect sin. We don't own it. We play the victim mentality. Somebody else's fault, it's not my fault, it's not my issue, it's somebody else's fault. It's called rationalization. We look at it and we think, how do I get out of being the one looked at in this issue? So we rationalize it away. At the very beginning, Adam pointed the finger, Eve pointed the finger away from themselves and even indirectly to God himself. Let's see, how might that play out in our context? Maybe you or someone you know, maybe you've heard this, someone has a issue with a temper. And they say, well, my my parents had a temper and it's just what we do. It's just how we express ourselves. See, we express ourselves this way, so it is what it is. You'll have to deal with it. That's called rationalization. That's basically saying, God put me in his family. I was raised by his family. It is what it is. It's not my fault that I have a temper. Maybe you heard it this way. Maybe it comes to about being in school. Maybe about cheating in school and you say, well, the the teacher's just too difficult. Or maybe the teacher's not a very good teacher. Maybe you say, it's just not fair the amount of work. Therefore, I need to cheat because it's just needs to be done. That's called rationalization, right? Maybe maybe it comes back to our language, comes back to our jokes. Maybe sometimes we say, well, the place I work just requires that I speak in a certain way that doesn't honor the Lord. I have to just, I have to do that to be accepted, to be one of the guys, be one of the girls. It's just, just part of fitting in. You're kind of saying, God, you gave me this job. I, I, this is what I have to do. We may not directly say God is tempting me, but often we indirectly rationalize and begin to put the blame on God. Look, James says, let no one say when he's tempted. And at the end of verse 13, for he, being God himself, tempts no one. We should accept our responsibility. And so if God's not the source of temptation, let's look at verse 14. Here we'll see the source of temptation in verse 14. James says, but each person, all of us, is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Our source of temptation is not God himself. It's within us. It's our heart. It's our heart condition. It's our own desire. It's our own lust. No, each of us are wired differently. Hear this. Every one of us in the room is wired a little differently, a different upbringing and all these kind of things. And so what we might lean into may look a little different. Our interests are different. Our strengths, our weaknesses. Therefore, some of our temptations may be more appealing to others. You know, things that I may struggle with have to battle may be nothing for you. You may have zero desire, but there may be things in your life that you desire that is so difficult for you that doesn't even flinch with me. No desire within me. We all are completely different. Remember in Hebrews 12, it talks about the sin that clings so close, it even trips us up. It trips us up in our daily living. We need to be aware of our weaknesses because the source of temptation is within us. 
It's our own desire. It's our own heart. That's what's really pulling us away. It's not God himself. So let's look in verse 14 at the process. The source is us. Let's look at the process here in verse 14. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Now this is fishing language. And if you know me, I don't know much about fishing. Caught a handful of fish in my life. I'll tell you a story a little bit later. I caught a fish in 2022. It made it a great year. But this is fishing language. So we had to do a little deep dive, a little deep study to really get the language here in the scripture. But when we're talking about you drop that lure in the water, being the lure, being lured and enticed, you drop it in the water and fishermen will know that when you get the right lure and you get it to the right depth, get it at the right speed, when the light hits it a certain way, you get the right movement, that's when all of a sudden it'll trigger for that fish. And all of a sudden it becomes like, ooh, yeah. And that fish begins to lose all security, lose all comfort, lose all sense of their surroundings. They begin to focus in on that lure and think, ooh, what could that lure do for me? Hey, if I was to get that, it might bring fulfillment. It might bring satisfaction. It might be just what I need. And they move out of the comfort zone of their security and they begin to track it, even a tunnel mine, pursuing this lure that it's gonna do something for them. In that moment that they begin focused and tracking and the moment they think they get closer and they closer and think, I got it, it's about to bring fulfillment and satisfaction. The moment they bite the lure, they're hooked. Next thing you know, they end up on your wall or at your dinner table. And what they thought was gonna bring about satisfaction, fulfillment, and joy does the exact opposite. See, that's the process here of temptation there's a desire, something that comes in front of your face or your mind or your heart and, and all of a sudden it maybe triggers your emotions and, and you see it, something happens and it's at that moment it goes to your mind and you have to determine, are you gonna ponder on it? Are you gonna dwell on it? Are you gonna kind of marinate on it, think on it, consider it, start to rationalize it's not that big of a deal, nobody will really notice, it won't really impact anybody God doesn't really care. There's bigger stuff going on in the world than my little sin. And if it's a long process, maybe you even move into the phase of the design phase. You start to kind of think, hey, how can I pull this off and it really not mess anything up? How can I maybe steal a little money at work and nobody's really gonna notice, but it'll help my family have a better Christmas, position us for a better year. It's not that big of a deal. You start to rationalize it and then you move into that phase that you get lured, you get enticed, you get one track mind, you get focused. You start to think, man, what it's gonna do for me. And then you bite and you're hooked. And it doesn't do what you think it will do for you. The longer we delay battling temptation, the more likely it is that the sin actually takes place. The longer you consider it, and you ponder it and you think on it and you dwell on it, maybe it's not that big of a deal. And you start to rationalize it. You're giving the enemy more and more time to work on your heart and to move you away from honoring the Lord. You know, earlier this year, in March of this year, I'll tell you, I did get a chance to go fishing in the bay. I went out with a fishing captain because if I went out there, I wouldn't know what I was doing. Had the opportunity to go out with a couple of church members and we went fishing in the bay and I was the amateur. It was embarrassing. I don't know what I'm doing. I hardly know how to hold the fishing rod and reel and throw it and cast it and pull it. And, you know, I was the guy who was gonna catch a tire in the, in the ocean, you know, like, I don't know what I'm doing. But we were with this captain all day. And at the end of the day, 
He said, hey, boys, we're going to go over here and we're going to catch a bunch of red fish. I was like, oh, that sounds great. I know what a red fish is. It's a color red, by the way. Anyway, so he said, we're going to catch some red fish. And I was kind of taken back because he was incredibly confident. He said, hey, I know exactly where we're going to go. We're going to go here at this time of day. This is the type of bait we're going to use. And this is how we're going to stir up these fish. And we're going to create a little bit of a frenzy. We're going to get them riled up. And then at that point, Scott, you'll have no problem catching a fish. Wow, this guy is confident. Sure enough, we headed over to a certain area and he got it all set up. And before you knew it, it was like you could see the fish all over the place, moving, jumping. And sure enough, I caught a fish. It was an amazing moment. My kids were shocked. Dad, you really caught that? I did, I did. Took a little bit of help from a fishing guide, but ultimately I caught the fish, right? But here's what was fascinating to me was that guide knew so much about these fish he knew exactly what it would take to stir them up. He knew exactly what he had to do at the right time of day, the right location. If I do this and this and this at this moment, I'm gonna hand you the fishing pole. You're just gonna throw it out there and you're gonna catch a fish in no time. Because he knew their habits. He knew their desires. He knew what it would take to get them to bite. And that's very similarly to what Satan does for us. See, he can't read your thoughts, but he can observe your actions. He can see your tendencies. He can see what trips you up. What are your desires? What pulls you in? So the enemy knows, hey, if I use this lure at this moment, they're more likely to be deceived. But this individual over here needs a different lure at a different time of day at a different moment, in a different circumstance. And this is what all of a sudden pulls at them and their own, their own desire. See, the fishing captain knew exactly what it took to catch those fish. And Satan knows exactly what it takes to come after you and to come after me because he's observed our, our weaknesses. And that's when we need to lean into the Lord. We can't do it on our own strength. We can't do it in our own willpower. It's not reading the latest self-help magazine. If you'll read this magazine of this, that, and the other, that's not what's gonna give you spiritual victory. We need to rely on the Lord, lean into the Lord, hold on to the Lord. He is there for us to strengthen us. He's already won the victory. When he came and he left heaven and he died on the cross and he rose from the grave, he defeated sin and death. And now he says that he has given that victory to us. We have to live in light of that. He's given us the victory. We have to live in light of that victory. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, this is one of the ways that the Lord is, is working with us and for us. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Which means, hey, we're all struggling with temptation. God is faithful. We just sang about that. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also, track with this, provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Whatever you're facing whatever's being thrown at you, whatever struggle, whatever challenge, know that God is throwing an escape route at you. It may be the size of a huge three-car garage door, wide open. He's saying, this is the escape route. This is the way to go. You just gotta take a step in that direction. I asked you a question this morning. 
As we move into 2023, are you, are you looking for the way out of temptation? Or are you enjoying playing with the lure? Are you looking for the way out? Are you actually enjoying kind of playing with the lure, dabbling with temptation, playing with a little bit? Nobody really knows. In your mind, dwelling, considering what might it look like, starting to design what it could look like. I'm reminded of a man who was, was going through a diet. I don't know, maybe there's some New Year's resolutions. That's about to be mine. Diet, you lose a few pounds. That's right. You're probably thinking, Scott has put on a few pounds. You would be correct. You would be correct. So let's just get that out of the way, right? But in a couple months, I'll be a different man. Maybe that's accountability in front of everybody, right? But I'm reminded of a man on a diet. And his boss told him, hey, I need you to go run over here and go run and drop something off. And he was on a diet and he knew that route would take him right by his favorite donut shop. And he had it for the sweets. He had it in for the sweets and he knew, man, that's gonna take me right by that favorite donut shop. And he could have chosen to take a different route to never see the shop. Instead, as he got ready to pull out of the parking lot of his office, he prayed a very meaningful prayer. Lord, if you want me to stop for a donut, may there be a parking spot right in front of that shop. Mm, mm, and he's calling out to the Lord. This is getting serious. Sure enough, he's driving down the road and he's thinking, man, you know what he's thinking? I prayed to the Lord. But ultimately he's thinking, I hope there's a spot. Sure enough, he comes around the corner, boom, parking spot in the front. Only took him seven times around the block to find that parking spot. Sometimes that's kind of what we do. Sometimes that's kind of what we do. We say the right thing, but in our hearts, we're trying to find a way to give into that temptation. Our own desire is rising up within us and we're, we're, we're letting that kind of own us and have control of us. Many times that's what we're doing. But let's look in verse 15, the effects of this. We've seen the process, the lures and entices us, but verse 15 says, then desire when it is conceived, it gives birth to sin when it takes place. And then sin when it's fully grown brings forth death, destruction, devastation to you and to others. Sometimes in that moment of temptation, we need to step back. We need to zoom out for a moment and not get that laser focus where we're, we're just looking at that lure and what it's gonna do and all the satisfaction, the big lie that it's not gonna fulfill. We need to step back for a moment, take a real look at it and realize it's not gonna fulfill what it's selling. John Owen once said, be killing sin or it be killing you. Be killing sin, you gotta go after it or it'll be killing, killing you. you know, in order to, to battle some of these things in your life, it may cost you something. Let's be real. If you're serious about the Lord getting the victory in your life in some of these areas that are those, those things that keep being hangups in your life, it may cost you something to make the change that you really need to make. It may cost you something financially. It could cost you something relationally. If you continue to fall into sin when you're around a certain group of people, well, you know what you might need to do. If they're not moving you towards the Lord, they're moving you away from the Lord, then maybe that's not to be in your inner circle. 
may cost you some inconvenience. Oh, but if I make this change, it's going to be a little inconvenient, a little wonky, a little awkward. It's not worth, no, it's worth it. Because here's the deal. If you don't make those changes, what might it cost you? If you don't make the changes, it may cost you something greater than a little inconvenience. See, Satan wants to keep your sin in the darkness for a while. And then he wants to, in a grand fashion, bring it to light. And realize that what you've been buying is not true. See, in Matthew chapter five, Jesus addressed sin in our life, kind of like John Owen, be killing sin or it be killing you. And Jesus said, hey, if your eye causes you to sin, he told you just pluck it out. He said, if your hand calls you to sin, just take a big old ax and chop it off. He's not really saying to cut your hand off and pluck your eyes out. We would not be a very good church if we all plucked our eyes out and cut our hands off. We wouldn't be able to be the hands and feet of Jesus, right? But anyway, all right. There you go. You got it a little slow. You're catching on. I know it was a long night last night. I get it. I get it, right? But here's what Jesus is saying in Matthew 5. We need to take action to the things that are hindering us from walking with Jesus. We need to take action. We need to step up to the plate and we need to see what we need to do about the things that are hindering us from walking with Jesus. See, Adam and Eve just pointed the finger. They didn't take accountability. Well, she made me do it, or the serpent made me do it, or you gave me Eve. And reality is we need to take accountability, we need to own it, and we need to see what do we need to do to move forward, leaning into the Lord. Look at me in verse 16. It's a beautiful summary verse, so simple. James says here in verse 16 of chapter one, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Don't be deceived. A simple verse, hard to live, straightforward. Satan is the great deceiver. He wants to fool you and to trick you, but Jesus is better. I wanna give you some practical things this morning that we've seen the source of our temptation is our own desires. We gotta battle this. We've seen the process is that that desire rises up in us and then we, we begin to dwell on it, entertain it. Maybe we move to the design phase and then move into the implementation phase. But the effect is that disobedience and then that destruction and devastation. But the solution, the solution is Christ. The solution is Christ himself to lean into him, to press into him. He came and he died and he rose from the grave. He ascended, he's coming back. He has the victory and he's giving us the victory. The Christian life is a battle. The Christian life is a battle. It's a war. It's not just some kind of simple pray a prayer and it's just all gonna be roses and flowers and cotton candy. That's not the Christian life, it's a battle. It's a war. We've gotta be pursuing the Lord daily, even hourly, moment by moment, so that the enemy doesn't get the victory in our heart and get the grip of our heart and our minds. We've gotta fight for that. We gotta stand for that. And so this morning, I just wanna give you two practical, simple strategies, maybe that you can, that you can battle temptation, two strategies to fight temptation in 2023. And here's the first strategy, it's pretty simple. First strategy is this, get in the word. Get in the word. It's the first strategy I'll give you. Very simple is get in the word personally and with others. You need to get in the word personally 
If the only time you're in the word is on a Sunday morning when our lead pastor gets up here and preaches, that's not enough. You need to be able to feed yourself personally. You need to be able to feed yourself. The best things you can do is get in the word personally. Develop a regular discipline. It's a habit. Other things in your life that are a priority, take priority. You probably eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner because it's a priority because your body's screaming at you. You're hungry. It's the way God designed us, right? But you need to make it a priority to be in the word. No one else is gonna make it a priority. You're not gonna see that on a billboard walking out, riding down the road. You're not gonna see that on social media. But this is what you need. You need to get in the word personally. You need to learn to feed yourself. Come up with a set place that you're gonna be in the word. Maybe that's in your office and you get there early. Maybe that's a chair in your living room. Come up with a set place. That's my spot. Come up with a set time. Maybe you're an early riser. Man, I'm a set time that you're gonna be in the word. And then come up with a game plan. Think about this. So many things in life you have a game plan for. Every year in my family in December, I sit down and I I analyze our budget from the past year and look at all of our expenses and I come up with a game plan for the next year. We come up with a game plan for our budget. Probably at your job, you come up with a strategy, a marketing strategy, a game plan. But sometimes spiritually speaking, we don't have a plan. It's one of the most important things you can do is come up with a plan. Get a good Bible reading plan. Figure that out. Don't start in Lamentations or something crazy in the Old Testament. Start with Matthew. Read the New Testament this year. Start somewhere that you can do it. Start somewhere that's doable. We'd love to to help you with that. But the first thing is get in the word personally and then get in the word with others. Make worship a priority in your life. Make worship on Sunday morning a priority. Man, if you're at home watching online and you're local, we would encourage you next Sunday, get out of bed, come join us in worship. There's something about being together. There's something about gathering. And if you're not plugged into life groups and you're only coming to worship, you're missing something. You need to be in a circle. You need to be in a circle that other people can hold you accountable. They can call you out. They can challenge you. And if you're just coming to worship, we don't know your story. You're kind of, you know, anonymous. You can slide in and slide out and then you can slide out for months and we won't know it. But when you're in a life group, people around the circle start to go, well, where's so-and-so? And they can call and text and encourage and challenge you. Where you been? So the first thing, the first simple strategy is get in the word personally and get in the word with others. But here's the second strategy I'll give you. I'm gonna give you a little acrostic this morning. A little three-letter acrostic, something to kind of learn by. And it goes by a little insect called ant. A little insect named Ant, A-N-T. My daughter yesterday was like, Dad, it's an insect, it's not a bug. And I was like, all right, I'll make sure and say it's an insect. She's our entomologist, not really. I just don't know much about entomology. But here's the first letter, A. Strategy for fighting temptation. A is this, avoid. Avoid it. As much as is possible, avoid temptation. And you can't avoid all temptation. That's life. We're all gonna be tempted but there are probably some temptations in your life that you know they can be avoided. You could put yourself in a circumstance or a situation that would not encounter that temptation that maybe is something that causes you to regularly fall and struggle. And if you just removed yourself from that environment, then you're not likely to battle it. 
hey, just avoid. Think about it for a moment. Where are those moments in your life that you're, you're most tempted? Could be some stuff with your phone or computer and maybe you need to make some changes there. Where are those things in your life where you're most tempted and is there the opportunity to avoid that? Maybe there's not, but there might be an opportunity to avoid it. A is this, hey, avoid as much as you can. Here's N, say no, say no. Every time that thought comes in your mind within five seconds, take that thought captive to Christ and say no. If you'll battle it, not entertain it, when Christ gets to victory. It's when it moves and we, we, we see it, we have the desire and it moves to our mind and then we start to ponder it. And we start to consider. That's when we're moving into a dangerous zone. But if we'll say no, if we'll avoid it, and if we can't avoid it, if we'll just say no, then maybe we can get the victory there. And if we'll do that regularly and repeatedly in our life, we begin to battle temptation and not ignore it and then just give into it, but we begin to battle it. We're talking about we're gonna avoid it. And then when we can't avoid it and it's there in front of us, we're gonna say no immediately. And then T is this, T is turn. Turn to Christ and turn to the way of escape. Turn, turn to Christ, call out to him in prayer, seek him. Memorize promises of God that you can fill in your mind in those moments that you think, man, we can hold on to the promise of God those certain moments of your life. Remember, we're all wired differently. We all have different struggles and different weaknesses. That's okay. But you need to know where's your lure in the water that's pulling you in. And once you identify it, you need to put some strategies in place. Say, okay, Lord, I need your help in this. I need you, Lord. To avoid as much as you can, say no and turn. Turn to Christ and turn to the way of escape. We saw in 1 Corinthians that he's giving you a way of escape. It's there for you. You can't just say the devil made me do it. There's a way of escape. Pursue it and call out to him for the strength that you need within your spirit to really go, Lord, I can't do this myself. I can't do it in my own strength. Turn to Christ, call out to him. He came to give you the victory over this temptation. And it's a battle. When you finally win in one area of your life, you're gonna find a new area of your life because the Christian life is an ongoing battle. But the moment you just kind of give up, the moment you quit trying to avoid and say no and turn to Christ, is the moment when the enemy gets the victory because your guard is down and the lures are all in the water and they're drawing you and our flesh rises up within us. And we get sucked in so easily. 2023, maybe it's a year for you that the Lord gets a victory in some of these areas of your life. Maybe it's the year that you look back the end of December of this next year and you can see not perfection, but you can see growth. You can see progress. You can see the Lord's working in your life and you can celebrate that. That's the Christian life. It's not about perfection. Fancy word, sanctification means we're looking a little more like Jesus over time than we did before just a little more like Jesus. And then when that builds year after year after year after year, we become a brighter light for Christ. We're not just a flickering light, but we become a little bit of a spotlight on a hill for Jesus. And who knows what God might 
do with that. My encouragement today is whatever you gotta do, whatever you gotta do to make those adjustments in your life, to honor the Lord in that area, do it, it's worth it. Whatever it is, maybe a little inconvenience, maybe a little awkward, maybe financially impact, maybe relationally impact. But if the outcome is that you're walking with Jesus a little more closely and that you're honoring the Lord and you're on a path of spiritual growth, it's so worth it. Ah, it's so much worth it.